Hey guys, this is Riley, uh, calling from Carbondale, Illinois. Um, just wanted to call and give you guys my up the butt bike. Um, right now I don't have like a serious sport bike. Um, so I was thinking maybe for my up the butt bike, something along the lines of the 2015, um, KTM RC390. Also, happy new year, guys. Hey, hey, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits at the Recycle Garage. Good job, James. Thank you very much. So, um... What's up, everybody? Hey, this is Liza, and, uh, as usual, we have a... Well, uh, for everyone else, this is considered a big crowd. For us, this is a medium crowd. You're just gloating. This is the standard <laughs> crowd, and that's at least eight, seven. So, um, hey, this is Liza. Today in the garage, we have Adrian. Hey. Craig. Hello there. Nick Knock. Yes, yes. Bagel. Season's greetings. Jake. What up? James. Hello. Zach. I am Zach. <laughs> and Lucas. This is the sound of me bouncing my bike off the rev limiter. <laughs> <laughs> so can we do the sound of your bike blowing up next? <laughs> Good job. Oh my god. <laughs> my precious Jixer. <laughs> yep. I've, I've uh, seen videos of that, and i got to say, like, karma definitely came through in that one. <laughs> so let's get right to what we did today, because we had a big crowd today. <clears throat> let's see, who wasn't here? We can cover them. Dan came by with his old, what's a, what, a Yamaha 352-stroke? Dan? Dan. Yeah, yeah. I put the heated grips on. Dan the man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Came by with his old two-stroke. I heard it run for a minute, and then he said, I give up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's wrong on. with it? <laughs> it, it was a two-stroke? It's, right. it's just been sitting a long time. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Fueling issue. And Douglas was here working on that goddamn, I blame it on you, knock. <laughs> his XR650. Ruining these people. <laughs> with that Honda engineering, though. I'm not sure exactly what he's doing. I know he was working on electrical, and there was something about, there were some lights running on DC and some yeah. things yeah. running on AC. The and headlight was AC. No, headlight was DC. No, the headlight horn was AC. Oh, headlight was AC. Yeah. The horn was grounding out. Um, he basically is replacing the wiring harness completely. Wow. He wants to run a dual output system, so where he, the bike itself, the spark is running off AC, and all the electricals are running off DC, like a regular normal street mm-hmm. bike. So. Oh yeah, I mean with the XR, the any of the um, street legalness is aftermarket. Yep, so exactly. It, originally, it was Baja Designs, but that was probably a couple splices ago. Yeah, yeah, several, <laughs> several, several splices ago. <laughs> so is he just dealing with like the goober engineering of the previous owner, or what? No, um, he just started starting over. Yeah. Yeah. Be careful what you say, Lucas, when the previous owner is in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Who am am I supposed to start eyeballing? Well, no, it's it's uh, Dylan was the previous owner. You were the previous previous owner. This is true. Yes. Yeah. So Adrian was the previous previous owner, but I don't think Dylan did much. But anyway, (laughs) he He went. Oh, okay. Sure. Here you go. And uh, Rebecca came by on her two fifty Nighthawk. And had a bent shift lever. I'm guessing 
she dropped the bike. That's she my told guess. me that she uh, she did hit some sand going through the roundabout. Yes, and I was Ooh. trying to talk to her. I'm like, so did you lose the front or the rear? And she's like, I don't know the difference. No. So I'm like trying to like, okay, like did the handlebars move? Like which end of the bike went down first? And I think I I figured out that it was probably the front end that just totally bit it and she just dumped the bike on the left side which was weird because usually when i've seen like clutch levers you know go down they get punched in this one was kind of like warped out it was really weird i've never seen anything like that before (laughs) my my shadow got that when it got when i was over at james and mason's and it got tipped over they were uh they're forward controls aren't they not mid controls i'm trying to remember if they were i wrote it but like it's kind of forward mid no it's mid is it mid yeah it's it's pretty mid yeah um, and let's see, who else did we have today? Well, Jake, you Hi. got to work on the famous XL175, just putting stuff together. Yep. And um, what did, oh, we discovered that the taillight bulb is has shaken apart. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and oh, however could that happen? It wasn't working. So mm-hmm. I need to find another six-volt taillight bulb. And last time just I robbed get an LED, it from something man. Else. Seriously, get an LED. You're going to keep finding... The future. On a six-volt system? Yes. Oh. Yeah, why not? Oh, it's vintage. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Is it not going to win the concourse because of that? It's going to win the lawn ornament award. We're, can I say why we're trying to fix the lights? Yeah. So, um, Jake wants to ride it in the upcoming Naked Ride. Oh, nice. Cool. Nice. Yeah, on the 17th, I think, Adrian. Does that sound right to you? Uh, my phone is dead right now, but yes, that sounds about right. I think it's um, too. And so, since it doesn't have working lights and the ride is at night, we're trying to get that running. Yeah. But in full disclosure, she's not going to be totally naked. I have to wear underwear or a bathing suit. Because I'm convinced in a large group of people, or the cops to show up and her being naked, I'll be the one to get tased. <laughs> Don't tease me, bro. <laughs> yeah. If not, we'll just hide behind you and let you be tased first. Yeah. You've been chilled. So actually, <laughs> stop resisting. <laughs> you do run somebody in the back to deal with any law enforcement who decide to deal with us. Yeah. So nice. And Zach, you were busy today. What did you do? I was working on the CB900C, also known as Gooch. And I was working on trying to get the seat on that thing. So, so a cu- was, custom uh, flat tracking seat. Yeah. Um, and I so I was working on making brackets and bending them and finding the right seat height and cutting bits off and yeah. and all that. And it took a long time because that particular corner of the shop where the vice was was <laughs> very in extremely high demand today. Popular uh, it was corner. next to the fridge with the beer in it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the and the station people are working on carbs and also the whole brake lever and having to bend that and. And, so. and yes, and I do put the box of death, which is what we call the parts cleaner, right next to the, the cancer place yeah. where we use torch, <laughs> torches and, and grinders. And throw sparks around. And, and welders. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was a good good place to put that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you like <laughs> to live dangerously, apparently. Yes. So you got to pull out like some uh, bar metal stock <laughs> and yeah. fabricate some mounts yep. and for that. Mounts, mounts are done. Um, in terms of the bending, they still have to get cut. I think one of them is is like ready, pretty much ready to go. Might need a little bit more shaping, and then the rear one needs to be trimmed. And you know, I need to find the right height and angle and whatnot on that one. But it's it's bent, so it should be, should this be pretty is, good to go. This is the my favorite part of a project when you're like. 
figuring out how to like you know you had the seat and i'm like okay what's your plan how are you going to do it oh, yeah. building mounts and stuff <laughs> yeah so we got out some wire to bend it to the inside of the seat so we can see what oh, as a mock-up sh- as a mock-up yeah, 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 and then totally. yeah so you just come up with a plan otherwise it's like uh it and time. he was able to heat it up the bar and bend it to the contour of the seat and, nice yeah you use tubing or solid bar no we had some one eight thick by one inch wide oh cool yeah um which was convenient because then rebecca needed her shift lever all bent back in we already had the torch and everything set up yep and uh james you came down to to work with us uh this is your first time here yes and what did you do today i worked on the carburetor of an o2 yzf 426 that sat for a couple of years oh wow yeah so and it's my first time really cleaning carburetors yeah and so we found out that there's a bearing and a slide. There's a little wheel that helps the slide go up and down, and there's a bearing in there that's bad, so I need to call the oh, manufacturer about that. It's a flat slide. with It's on roller bearings or something. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and one it's of the roller bearings is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. okay. Is a 426 factory, or is that like a board-out yeah, yeah. 400? No, it's a, no, it's a 426. They went, they used to have the 4, then they went to the 426, mm-hmm. and then uh, <coughs> when... When Honda came out with the 450, they moved the 426 up to the yeah. 450. Also, oh, that's cool. It's Mason's bike, I think. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, how did that go, the cleaning of the car? Uh, I'll admit, you were asking me questions, as you would, and I'm like, I don't know, I was going to take off the top and take off the bottom, and you, you, you took off the top and you showed it to me. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't look like anything I'm used to seeing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, where's Douglas? I need Douglas. Oh, good, say, Douglas is here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a FCR flat side pumper carb, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. I'm just used to all the old, yeah. old Jap bikes and. You basically, yeah, you're used to old Japanese like with juice boxes squirting fuel. <laughs> 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 Nothing this sophisticated. Or little teeny like drips. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, um, how did you how did you find out about us? Listening to the podcast, and awesome. about five or six ago, maybe ten ago, um, you guys were saying that maybe you you were looking for other people to start other recycle garages in other cities, and I'm in a <coughs> suburb of Sacramento called Antelope. Cool. And so, um, yeah, if I can get my skills up and feel confident, especially with the carburetors, because that's... Uh, my weakest link, I, and I might do it anyway. But mm-hmm. I'm thinking that, yeah, I might start one. Well, as you saw today, I mean, there's a lot of things I don't know how to do. But when you build a community, I will call people who yeah. do know how to do it and call on them for help. Um, so as long as you, you know, have friends, or <clears throat> I'll even, uh, you know, tell someone, oh, let me look into. It. I'll get back to you. I'll do the research. I'll go to a mechanic and ask them, and then come back next week. Okay, I found out the answer. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I definitely think everyone should do this. I think that it's just part of uh, being a, a community that we do kind of have a responsibility to mentor, and it doesn't happen enough. And, I, I mean, what did you think today? It's a lot of fun. Yes, yeah. It's Being around everybody and meeting everybody. It, Making yeah. fun of Lucas. 
<laughs> hey, I'm the banner. You all unite under man. You're bringing people together, dude. So, geez, what That's you a do? scary, scary concept. Is you got to get a gimp you can make fun of. <laughs> Follow this model. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, right. Lucas. Who's, who's going to be the Sacramento Recycle Gang? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I have to follow in my footsteps. I'll like put on an internship over here. <laughs> no, it'll be like the Seth. You, you know, there's, staff, you there's, down there's down always a master and apprentice sort of thing. <laughs> and you'll notice, um, you know, the reason we called it the the misfits is there's we are not all the same there. people same ages i mean we vary so much but we have this common interest that really brings us together we're really a demographic anomaly i think we're we're it's like, like <laughs> we're kind of just outside of society and like not exactly the classic way you'd picture like you know we the don't motorcycle rebels but we're just like fucking weird <laughs> I, think, I think that sums it up we're, we're fucking like, weird we're all just fucking weird dude <laughs> Like we wouldn't be here if we weren't. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do a little uh, get to know with you. Um, how long have you been riding? I know you ride dirt and street, so. I'm 44, and I started riding when I was t- 11 or 12. Oh, damn. Oh, geez. So, riding dirt? Nice. Yeah. So I rode dirt up until uh, 2000. Um, that's not right. Up until, yeah, two th- no, 90, 1990. Um, and then I started writing street bikes. I I was going to buy a sport bike, and my girlfriend at the time, who ended up being my wife, talked me into a cruiser because she would ride that with me, but not the sport bike. So, and, just so you know, as you're telling us, my next question is going to oh. be, what bikes have you had? So, as you're telling <laughs> us, go okay. ahead and throw the models in. My, my We'd first, love to hear this. My first bike was an XR80. Because my dad didn't know that you shouldn't race a four-stroke dirt bike in motocross. <laughs> and uh, so the next year, I got a YZ80, and that lasted quite a while. My second race bike was a, a CR125 yeah. and, and a 87. That was the first year that they had a rear disc brake. Um, and then I went to Yamaha after that and rode 125s and 250s until... Oh, 91 and then I started teaching kids how to cool. ride when I was uh, in college that was my college job and showing you know showing them how to keep it clean and you know change the oil and that kind of stuff that's and, cool yeah that that's was cool, a man yeah <clears throat> um, and then some while I had the shadow um, I had other bikes um, but the shadow stuck around. We, my wife and I rode across the United mm-hmm. States. Um, we put 100,000 miles on that. And then we had another shadow that we put uh, 15,000 miles on it. And then we had a Harley that we put um, about 12,000 miles. And then I had my first accident. Oh, wow. Yes. My oh, dang. So should we go over the fa- accident? Yeah, but, yeah, I want to so hear your I crash story. Go for it. 140,000 miles and eight, 19 years, and then had my first motorcycle accident. Some lady, she was 17 years old, with a learner's permit, made a left, a right, her right turn and a left towards me, and um, came at me at like a 80 degree angle. In a three-quarter ton pickup, I was in the middle lane, three lanes in each direction. Oh, Jesus, doesn't sound good. (laughs) And so, yeah. So I'm thinking, don't lock the brake. 
and uh and luckily the harley has awesome brakes and it's heavy so yeah when you have that situation, it, it did stop and slow down to maybe 30 miles an hour. Luckily, I was only doing uh, 40 to begin with. Um, and I might have only scrubbed off a couple. But she was just there. Yeah. As, as fast as I could see her, she was there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the windscreen on the Harley came off, luckily. And I slid on it. And so <laughs> oh, wow. I only have... Nice. A couple of little road rashes, and that's where it went through the um, the gloves. But I, you know, I got an interesting scar on my head, and another interesting scar because I had to have surgery on my elbow. But uh, yeah, luckily, so luckily that was. What were you wearing for gear? I was wearing a t-shirt. Mm. And open face, yeah, the tin racer, yeah, I was about to say, you know, to go from, to go from, because I had sport bikes the while I was riding uh, those, and I told myself after going down on the sport bike, and that was my fault um, that I would never ride a full face helmet again. Um, Wait, you would never you, ride a full face helmet again? I would never ride an open face helmet. Only okay. full face. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, the years start going by and, you know, 19 years of, yeah. of not going down. And so I went back to that. But, yeah, considering I was in a T-shirt and I, you know, luckily I fell on that windscreen and slid on the windscreen. Yeah. So God that, uh, you, sorry, uh, go ahead. No, you had surgery, and so you had you had a like broken arm, and you had pins and needles and all that business. Yes, or, oh, it okay. is in there. Wow. Uh, my arm will only go out about I don't know, maybe five degrees. Yeah, and then back up. Games a little Mike. more than I'm sorry, back up a little more than ninety degrees. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what I have now, and I'll just work it. Yeah. I mean, how did that affect your dirt riding? I mean, were you still dirt riding at that point, or were you just completely off dirt riding? Or it took about two and a half months to get on a bike. Yeah. Um, and you know, just needed to be able to move it. Yeah. To sit down on the bike. Yeah. But it, I don't, I don't, I haven't ridden fast or anything. Yeah. Since then. So, so having your crash, that changed your riding style and I mean you weren't riding on the street right as Correct. much you have three kids yes one of them has a driver's license now yes uh, are you gonna let them ride the street on the street yeah with me you know um, so would you buy them uh, by your son uh, Jack is it yes would you buy him a bike yeah uh, uh, 250 Nighthawk or something like that that's equally weighted front and rear. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. My my son and I, we had a long conversation about sport bikes. Of course, he wanted a sport bike. Oh, they all you know. do. But, <laughs> and I told him, uh, you're not, not allowed to be... Most of them do. I'm sorry, you know, you got to be at least 29 before you get <laughs> wow. on. You know, and I told him, and I said, I was 31 years old the first time that I had a a sport bike that I own myself and I went down you know and I almost killed myself I and it was my fault I went wide in a turn and hit some pine needles and the bike left and that was that you know but 
even though I had been riding my whole life like him, and he also raced when he was younger, I said, that testosterone... It's mm-hmm. amazing. It'll poison yeah. you. You, know? you need some uh, Motobandito yeah, testosterone. So he, yeah, so <laughs> he's agreed to stay off a sport bike until um, until he's 28. And your other kids are young. Are they all boys? Uh, I have a 12-year-old daughter, Sammy, and she rides a KX65. And I have an 8-year-old son, Mateo, and he rides a, a, a little XR50. Uh, Oh, shit. This is a riding family. This yes. is a two-wheel family. <laughs> yeah, um, very cool. My wife has about sixty-five thousand on the back cool. with me, and we've been across the United States. Right on, man. You ever tried awesome. to encourage her to get her own bike? Yeah, well, lately we've been spending more time with her, and um, she fits really well on the fifty. The fifty is just a lot of fun to ride, mm-hmm. so she's been riding the fifty a lot. So we've been thinking about getting her maybe a, a quad or um, maybe a 120 or 110 trail type bike. Cool. Cool. Um, I know a lot of um, the folks who hang around here are starting up families. There's a couple of kids that run around the garage. Uh, what ages um, did you start your kids riding? Four. Um, okay. Yeah, Jack started at four. There were some interest that came in like boating and that kind of stuff and four-wheeling so when my daughter was four she was on a boat and not necessarily on a motorcycle we've kind of put our emphasis back on the riding bikes um but uh yeah and then my eight-year-old he just started this year same low with the 12-year-old cool any advice for um any of the parents who want to start their kids riding Stay out of racing. It's expensive. Said <laughs> 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 the man who raced as yeah, a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? you just burn it's, a pile it's, of money. No, it's, it's, there's an easy me, way to make a small fortune yeah, at racing. Right. Yeah. For me, start with a large was, one. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it was really hard to say no. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, and when you're racing and your kids racing, um, you know, and you're it's only the two of you, and then you throw in a third. Um, even the two of us, it's expensive. Yeah. So, you know, I would, in my, and I thought we were making good enough money, but it is expensive to do. Yeah. So, yeah, keep it on the trail. Um, <laughs> and then later, uh, you won't have a kid who is used to going super, super fast. <laughs> going that fat you know now oh, he wants to get point. a street bike yeah mm-hmm. keep him scared keep, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's what i would advise but definitely get him on a bike all right so it's now time for the final question okay are you ready for yes. this what is your up the butt bike <laughs> i've been thinking about this for like an hour <laughs> <laughs> And I would like to say that I don't have one, but um, that's kind of boring. So I'm going <laughs> to say the new Indian. Um, I would like to try something different than a Harley. I went down on Yeah, I went down on a Harley Road King, um, and I strongly recommend Progressive Insurance. They were amazing. I used to be in in the insurance game, but um, yeah. So 
I just, yeah. So the, an Indian chief. Yeah, that's, I, I give a thumbs up to that too. Yeah. I think that's a pretty cool bike. A thumbs up what though? Thumbs up the uh, butt. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I had to go there. Oh, snap. Adrian. Jeez. Adrian. Oh, uh. <laughs> and on the oh, next topic. Yeah, I was wondering why I hang out here. That's why. That is a good segue, but we'll have to oh. come back to that. Uh, first, I forgot to mention that uh, Stumpy came by today. Yes, he is. And he brought a, a, a it's some like early 70s. TS, I think you said it was. TS250 two-stroke dirt bike mm-hmm. that needs a full restoration. It's got a seized engine. Mm. It's rusty and is missing parts. Did you guys attempt to kick it over at all? Yeah. I stood on the all Kickstarter. Right. Hmm. Um, and it's... Uh, he... He thought it was he was being very generous by offering it to the garage for people to fix up and have as a dirt bike to use. And I felt a little bad explaining that we don't really have a use for it because to fix it up by all the parts, you'll spend as much as it's worth. And then function-wise, its function won't... It doesn't really have a lot of function compared to a more <coughs> modern bike you could buy for less than that. Yeah. It has to go to somebody who has a passion and a love for that specific bike or that specific model. So, um, But he came by with his new uh, peg leg, his new prosthetic leg. Does it look cool? Yes. Did it have the yes. cool racing stripes? He's got racing stripes on it. Yeah. Is it carbon fiber? The like only thing is, <laughs> I think he would have been better off if he lost both of his legs. Why is that? Because <laughs> then he can get those like little runner scoop <laughs> things and run super because fast. Because he's short, so that he has his <laughs> oh, tiny God. prosthetic, oh, and he could have had longer prosthetics. <laughs> wow. But as it is, the, the first one he, they gave him was a little too long, so he was walking all wonky. Yeah. So they had to shorten it for him. Okay. That's all. Well, why can't they just make one with adjustable height, like like a suspension unit? Because his know? other leg isn't adjustable. That's what I'm saying. If well, he lost both, true. he put that's it what, in. That's well, what platform, uh, I mean, like, platform boots are for. Yeah, yeah exactly. I know. Exactly. Yeah, like, you can put preload and rebound damping on there. So, <laughs> so he... Get yeah, Ulin's prosthetic. <laughs> he also said... Um, I, I said, well, what about fixing up the bike for you? And he says, well, then I would have to get divorced. Because <laughs> ah. apparently his wife does not want him getting back on the road so we'll see what's to be done with that bike if anyone out there is in dire and desperate need for a ts250 crack it open and see what's up as a side project it might be simple to get it running but it's you know it's missing like it's got a broken um brake lever and it's you know it's going to need new cables and yeah the shifter seals and new chain and all of this, that stuff that you would need just yeah. to get it going it's complete well no it's missing a headlight it's missing the taillight um, yeah, the suspension the um, shaft and suspension forks was pitted and rusted um, so you said the thing originally came as a legal street bike or it was OEM it was a legal street bike do you know <coughs> or was it, had, it just a dirt bike um, a lot of the bikes in the 70s came with the as a trail bike with the lights oh, okay that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, it's got no paperwork no key mm-hmm um so it's it's going to be a project yeah so we'll see you know who gets that um let's get to uh so we were going to do dueling porn picks but i don't think we're gonna have enough time i want to do one porn pick so who thinks they have the best one well Uh, did you have one I've what, got one. Bagel, what, what'd you get? Okay, For what? your, wait. Born, pick, pick up the, the week. Week. Oh, uh, week. 
<laughs> Today, we have a 1982 okay. Honda okay. XR250R. 1982 oh, is this Honda the, I wonder if this is the one I saw. Oh, I love that okay. year. This is located in Dublin slash Pleasanton slash oh, Livermore. This isn't it. Okay. Uh, it says, this bike was brought to me, and the owner said it would start but not run. I cleaned and adjusted the carb. Bike fired right up, idled, and ran good. But Hold had- on. Time out. It starts but doesn't run? I think what they meant, it wouldn't stay running. Oh, okay. But, yeah. That you know. doesn't make sense. So, uh, but he said that um, it, it it fired right up, idled, and ran good, but had a pronounced ticking coming from the engine. I then removed the valve cover to refine some scoring on the cam and rockers. I then told the person that brought it to me that the head would would need to be fixed and the top end should be checked and probably the bottom end. He picked up the fuel tank about a year ago, and I've been una- unable to get a call back from him since. I'm planning on parting it out, or if you want to make me an offer to remove it from here, no paperwork, easy peasy, make me an offer. And how much is it? Uh, it is going for the whopping sum of two hundred dollars. Whoa! Wow. And he also mentions that this Honda XR two fifty R has a very popular double leading shoe front brake. Ooh! Uh, this might be the one I was looking. At. Is it all black with a red frame? Uh, no, it's it's red. It's got a red frame and red plastics on it. Let me it. see. What year is this? And white that, fenders. Isn't that the, the beat bike. Oh, that's that different. Me. No, I was looking at one. An oh no, I was looking at an XR five hundred. Eighty two parts bike for two hundred bucks. They should pay you two hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's um, so that is a dirt bike only though. I don't see a plate on it. Yeah, it yeah. does appear to be dirt dirt bike only. Okay. I don't see any lights or. But then again, it's missing the tank, so who knows what else is missing off of it. But and, and he said there's no paperwork. Yeah, there's no paperwork for it, um, especially since he's saying that somebody else brought it to him to get it fixed. Who knows what kind of... Yeah, uh, then why hasn't he done the lean sale on it? Yeah. Right. yeah. You know, I think so, it would make a great $200 part bike for another XR250 that you had some Yeah, else. Perhaps. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's out there if anybody wants it. Cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, um, knock... You did a little test ride today. I, I did. I did a very abbreviated and brief. I'm test just curious because you know I, I've talked about how I'm still just Prejudiced. rediscovering <clears throat> the world of 250s of mm-hmm. smaller bikes, and uh, I was talking to Jonathan who came today on a CBR 250 about how I used to just despise them, but now I've come to realize that the newer bikes are actually pretty peppy. Now. I despise yep. them for people who have one bike and want to be able to do everything on them. <laughs> for somebody that is using it for racing, or this is their th- second or third bike and they're using it for carving up in the hills or commuting to school, great. Power to you. Or as you. a beginner bike, of course. So um, you got to ride the CBR250. What did you think? Um, you know what? I liked it. Uh, I rode it back to back. This is what I think a 2011. 2011, yeah. 2011. Yeah. Um, it was good. Um, it didn't have the ABS thing on there. Uh, do you really need ABS? On no. Yeah. Don't I, you I just know. put your feet on the ground? Stop, Flintstones. Um, yeah. I, I rode around Westcliff a little bit, and I, I noticed the handling was really good. Um, I'm looking at the specs right now, and the uh, rake of this thing is 25 degrees, and the thre- and the trail is 3.9 inches, and that's pretty close to what my XR is. Okay, yeah. it's actually more really? than my XR. Yeah, huh. um, my XR is a 27 with 3.5 inches with the 17s on there. I think that's what I calculated too. Um, it handled really quickly, like it turned really quickly. Um, 
more stable than my XR because it's got it's got more trail. I'm surprised but, you're comparing a CBR 250 well, to an XR 650R. I mean, my, seriously though, my XR is probably one of the best handling bikes I've ever ridden, except for my buddy's CRF 450 Supermoto. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, handles really well. Um, so I mean, the biggest question is, how was the power for a 250? The power was pretty good. Um, it was decent. It's a thumper, so it has a thumper-like delivery. Maybe they softened it up a little bit. You have to kind of rev it up pretty good to get going. Um, for a thumper? For a thumper? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's kind of Craig, weird, actually. Craig, yeah. Craig, because you do the MSF classes. I know a lot of people use Ninja 250s. Do you guys use the CBRs? Do you have any? Well, that we was going to be my one. question, actually. It was we have one. How, how does it compare to the Ninjas? Do you know? I would say... That it's not quite as fast. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it's got yeah. way less of a top end. I mean, it's obviously. it's definitely yeah. got way less of a, a top little end. more usable power. Yes, uh, a lot so. of mid range, uh, a lot of low end. Um, what I, what I meant to say was like, to get that power, you really got to rev it. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. But um, um, so have you ridden the Ninja Two Fifty at all to compare it to? Yes, um, I rode donuts. The older Ninja Two Fifties are more revy. But they are a little bit more sporty because you rev the engine more. Mm-hmm. You basically have so to you, pin yeah, the Yeah, so you have that crank spinning pretty good, and you've got that gyro force that's kind of stabilizing you a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, so you did a comparison to Rebecca's, um, I think it's a 1989 Nighthawk 250. Yeah. So we're, we've jumped a couple decades. Yes. And also the CBR would be a little more of a performance bike you would expect. But sure. So apples to kumquats? Well, like how, I mean, but still they're smaller bikes. How big of a difference was it in the power? I know the uh, CBR the will have better handling, really, but... Uh, it wasn't that much of a difference Ooh, i'm surprised yeah um i think the spec sheets see a little bit differently but i think the uh rebecca's bike was a little bit heavier from what i understand or at least the uh the geometry was different enough to a point where it seemed like it was heavier the turning wise and all that business yeah and the i would assume control different. and braking would be different but i'm yes. just curious about the engine power yeah, if there's the that C- much of a difference um, is, is, twice, the C- hmm? is the cbr uh fuel injected cbr is fuel injected okay. and what was weird about that cool or whatever was about that bike it was like it, i thought I, it turned itself off because it was so smooth <laughs> you know wow. like like uh i was at a stop and it was just dead quiet i was like what's going on here i'm like oh the, it's just really well built and it's quiet <laughs> and uh with rebecca's bike you knew it was on all the time <laughs> yeah. but uh it was good um like the it was not as powerful as the two as the cbr but um uh, it had a lot of character for what it was. <laughs> I know, you know, that's, that's that generic term, character. Like, <laughs> I thought, like, uh, I've uh, been able to ride a 2012 version of both the CBR250 and the Ninja250. Yeah. And I think the thing that was a major disappointment on both was the fact that they were actually really heavy for a uh, 250. Bike. Yeah, they were like 350 something. Yeah, my Jixer weighs less than that. And I was like, wow, you know, th- this thing is actually a serious pig. It still flicks pretty well because yeah. it's got skinny tires and, uh, you know, all the weight is in a pretty narrow area. It's not wide like an I-4, but it's still really heavy. Well, yeah, he re- it's just an engine placement engineering could kind of hide that, you know. Well, he, he told me it had a steel frame instead yeah. of an aluminum oh, frame. Wow. He, he, and, you know, they, they cheap out on the components on those, I'm imagining, so rather than having, like, all these aluminum, magnesium, well, carbon fiber I mean, doodads, to be fair, though, steel. it didn't feel cheap. Like, it, it, yes, it was a small displacement 250 for in-town grocery getting whatever. It's a but solid it bike. it didn't feel cheap. Like, the brakes worked really good for a 250. Or I think if you that heavy, you know. I think if you were trying to slab it, you would definitely tell 
uh, you know, it's not nearly up to par as like you know whether you could get it out of the box like middleweight super sport. Oh, so, so yeah, yeah. They I absolutely mean, just, come with better suspension. They're much lighter and blah blah blah. blah you can't repl- no replacement for displacement in terms of just if you're wanting a bike to slab like long distances stuff like that. Yeah, sure. In town, super tight twisty. I'm talking roads. like twisty. It's like it would be better on the twisties if they made it out of like all super light materials. Uh, I don't know if we talked before about like the KTM 390. Yeah, but that I think that's the bike that's gonna just destroy the 250 world. Well, yeah. well, how about the new R3? The uh, R3 might do it too. R3 I mean, is they just kind like of a built Yamaha it as a... Ninja 300. I don't even know if it's that big of a change in the market. Oh. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things you have to wait and see because it's like it's aside from the damn spec sheet. Like actually riding the bike will tell you more about it than right. just what yeah. the spec. I want to see how ride. it stacks up to the Ninja 300 because yeah. I'm sure they want to like start competing in that market. But mm-hmm. well, this is definitely definitely a place I never thought I'd find myself sitting and contemplating and discussing the merits and, and yeah. differences between a bunch of 250s and 300s. Right. Well, that's <laughs> it, it's interesting because uh, yeah, I mean, I'm watching the the you know the 300s and the 400s are really finding a sweet spot now mm-hmm. yeah um and the performance is there yeah well it's getting there i think 400 <laughs> is like the new 250 you know just to like how 800 is the new 600 yeah. i still think it's a second bike or in bagels bag for bagel would be a first bike because it would still be an improvement right no no so wait he's had to get the scooter yeah. dig in well I, I, I think i think what it is too is just um <laughs> when you ride a small bike like that you have to understand it and you have to Kind it of take it within skill. the context of you're riding a small motorcycle. You know, it's not going to have the amount of power that you're used to. It's probably going to be. It's going to handle probably a lot better for the most part. Yeah, yeah. It takes more skill to ride. Yeah, totally. I can see a market that they're missing out on is all of the Harley and big cruiser riders. They should be buying these little bikes as a second bike. Yeah, it's I mean, Harley, you're nothing. It's so much fun. They can't afford the payments on anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. I have a really quick question, just because yeah. you guys have so much expertise on the small bikes. What do you think is the ideal bike for a beginner? Like the perfect bike for somebody who's just starting to ride street? Ninja 250. <laughs> That's the mm-hmm. de facto answer. We've discussed this. I think it's yeah. better than the CB. And Rebel well, 250, Rebel 4. To discuss this 250, on our podcast. Um, um, I guess I guess the general consensus is anything under 24 horsepower, right? Ninja 250s have got something like that, like 2017 horsepower. Mm-hmm. Wow, really? Yeah, I mean, that's what like almost as much sport horsepower as a Sportster. Like, what it comes down to is there's different answers. It depends upon what are the primary uses going to be. It depends upon what is the budget. It depends upon what is the riding. You know. Um, the, the experience and the, the roads you're going to be doing. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of but gray like, area. Eliminating budgets. But all of these bikes fit into that. Yeah. All right. yep. So, um, Craig, you're up now because you've been so quiet. What's up, dude? I didn't you recognize know, you without the, with the beard, man. I got in a fight with a pair of scissors. Yeah. And you're looking <laughs> so mighty fine in that Motorcycles and Misfits sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love all the new gear for all you people out there. I think you need to buy what? some new hoodies. We just got a fresh shipment in. <laughs> Baseball tees. That's right. Swag. Yeah, Jake is rocking her. It, it pays for the oil yeah. and the uh, recordings and maybe beer. So, um, no, the beer budget is way over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It's like those are out of pocket expenses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Craig, we were talking earlier because uh, you uh, teach for MSF. 
and there's a lot of stuff going on with MSF. So can you do a recap for those who may not know what's going on and, and tell me how it's impacting things so far? Well, I can't release too many details because things, things are a little up in the air. But basically, there's a changing of the guards. Some of the schools have stopped classes and some are transitioning to this new program. Basically, what happened was... Uh, the California Highway Patrol put the entire program up for bid, and there were there were several companies that bid on it, including the MSF, um, to get the contract again. And initially, it was for two years, but it'll probably end up being quite a bit longer than that. Um, so, and, and the MSF is a Motorcycle Safety Federation. The Motorcycle Foundation. Safety it's Foundation. The Federation. Foundation. <laughs> yeah. they, um, this is classes that you take to help you get your license, but not yeah, re- not only to get your license, but also to improve your riding with experienced right. rider courses and advanced rider courses, also. Right. So, um, I, I guess I was confused. So the the CHP owned it or they the started it right so the motorcycle safety foundation designed the program for the highway patrol okay so they were contracted okay yeah so the program the entire curriculum is in the process of changing because of the new contract so things are still up in the air but the motorcycle safety foundation did not win the contract for the next two years, a different company did. So, was this um, a f- was this a profitable venture for them? Why did they put it up for sale? Um, they wanted to see the, who would bid it for the lowest and be able to still do the things. Um, it all came down to dollars and cents for the highway patrol. Um, so they put the contract back up to bid, and the motorcycle safety foundation wouldn't go to their low ball number quite so they didn't get the contract Mm -hmm. so other than that i don't really know many more details because it's still being kinks are being worked out paperwork's going from here and there people are scrambling around even people that own the schools uh don't even know yet what's fully going on and what's going to be the full scope of what this new so program is going to look like how does the structure work so somebody can own a school and they just follow the program right pay, it's, it's like a franchise uh it's not a franchise works? there's w- works like a franchise no yeah. no there's okay. individual schools throughout the state okay and but it's the same curriculum they all teach okay right <coughs> so you're like accredited <coughs> and um so yeah so i guess this is so weird why can't any school just come up with their own curriculum well you can kind of off the books but there's a lot of patented material and patented coursework and classes that are involved so oh wow if you right so in order to take the the msf course which is then then it has to be offered by a certain school and only certain schools are allowed to offer the exact program mm-hmm. and this so, is california only i mean no no it's okay. countrywide okay so there's the motorcycle safety foundation runs runs programs in other states but not all the other states there's other companies that run the program for other states so right it, it's it's Semi-confusing. So is this yeah. the California or the national? No, this was just for California. Okay. Just for California. California got sold off. It's been bought by somebody. 
uh, by Lee Parks, Total Control Training okay. is the new program. Wow. So we'll see. It hasn't even gone fully into effect yet. I mean, it might take a few young, a few months for this new class to take into effect. And some of the schools are still operating, but um, uh, we'll, we'll have to see what takes place. I'm kind of excited to see what the, the changes that lie ahead. Um, but it's definitely going to be some new waters for uh, the motorcycle program. Do you see room for improvements? Or did you think it was pretty pretty polished beforehand i thought it was a very polished okay. uh program but we'll see how what he takes <laughs> <laughs> where this new program goes in the shop right now london is falling yeah <laughs> so all right but i think uh, there's a lot of things to look forward to i mean people are a little apprehensive about the changes but i think uh it'll be an exciting time for for motorcycle learning now, the other thing I love when you come to the shop, and, and I know you have to be careful of how much you disclose, but we get to hear MSF horror stories. <laughs> do you have any new stories for us? I, I do have a new Woo! story for you. <laughs> nice. So I had a student um, recently, and he had been a, a student that had some trouble, some difficulty learning. So, or some difficulty listening, I should say. Mm-hmm. He had been a student mm-hmm. that uh, had taken the course a few times, Ooh. and uh, he he kind of uh, operated with an air of he kind of knew what he was doing and knew how how things went, and he he, he was holding a little ego onto us onto. Can and, I can I ask you about what age? Is this somebody in their twenties, thirties? No, 40s? he was. Late forties. Oh, interesting. Are you okay. so a stubborn old coot, yeah. set in his ways. You you told me this story before, and I assumed he was like twenty. No, no, he was. So he, I'm like, that well, sounds like something I would do if I was ten times as stupid. So, <laughs> mentally, he may have been twenty-ish. So, when he had first taken the course, I recommended he get a two fifty. We had a long discussion. He wanted to get a bigger bike. So he got the 250, but then just a few weeks later, he bought a 600, mm-hmm. an R6. And when he showed up to the class for, for the third or fourth time on the R6, I knew I smelled trouble. Huh. And I knew he shouldn't have been on the 600 that quickly. And he was showing it off in the parking lot, and all the, all the other students were wow, ooing and on. So we we completed the course and he, he he passed not by much but he passed, and then after I'm the class is over the students are still hanging out around his bike and then I am uh, putting the bikes away at the other end of the lot and I hear oh. and oh, after the, sound, the class that sound though <laughs> I knew right away what had happened is he was trying to pull a wheelie and show off and wrecked destroyed the R6 I, I initially estimated it, it was about a thousand dollars worth of damage and he <laughs> felt so bad Jeez. I mean he destroyed the fairing destroyed the tree destroyed the throttle oh, cracked God. his handlebar off couldn't even Jeez. ride it the oh. foot peg was broken and then he's like I need a new tire 
tires. Nice. What? Yeah. It's always the tires. It's always the tires. I had to lay her down. Ran over some gum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ran over some gum. Yeah. Um, so I just made sure he was okay. He didn't need any medical attention. He was very embarrassed, but. Clearly. So one of the other one of the other students gave him a ride um, to get his trailer because he had a trailer out of class. Ouch. Oh, that's cold, man! Damn. Yeah. Do you think he learned his lesson? Hopefully, but hmm. knowing him, potentially not. Well, he's uh, capable of shame at least, so there's some hope. <laughs> Did he pass? Pain. He passed. Oh, <laughs> yes. He passed before he looped the bike. Well, a couple times he had passed, and a couple times he had failed. So okay. he 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 was a uh, uh, taking the class quite a bit of times. Yeah, Damn. a perennial. <laughs> attendee he's a lifelong learner yeah <laughs> i told him wow. to go back to that 250 wow well, doesn't, doesn't have a choice yeah. now right yeah. <laughs> that's true bagel that's true <laughs> he's gonna buy a turbo boost next just watch of course Ooh. that's what i would do from gp sports <laughs> so um let's take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor moto bandito Have you ever wanted to mix the two things you love the most, your motorcycle and sex? Do you find it hard to mix your riding life and your sex life? Have you ever wanted to have sex with your bike or include it in your sex play? Well, now you can. Introducing the Moto Bandito Motosexual 2-in-1 Tool and Toy Bag. It's everything you need for a roadside breakdown or get down. This amazing dual-purpose package comes in a handy tank bag for use on the road and off. Accessories include dildo-shaped hand grips, exhaust-tip fleshlight attachment, seat-mounted strap-on dildo ergonomically crafted to improve your riding posture, fringe vinyl catsuit tracksuit, helmet strap ball gag, nipple clamp jumper cables, dual-purpose silicone chain lube, replacement gasket cock rings, tire plug urethral sounds, emergency coolant enema kit, a fleece line gimp mask to help keep you warm in the winter, and our intro to anal breakdown flare kit. Order now and we'll throw in our patented butt plug screwdriver with interchangeable heads and bits. And for you off-road enthusiasts who've been bad boys, do we have a treat for you, a spanking paddle tire. Go to motobandito.com. That's Moto B-A-N-D-I-D-O. And don't forget to get off the bike before you get off on the bike. And we're back. I, so I'd buy ten of those shits, man. I'd all all ten of them. <laughs> uh, all of them. So that yeah, over nine thousand. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> take the, my money now. The Moto Bandito Sex Toy Toolkit uh, is yeah, indeed. I <laughs> know. I'd I'd buy like you seven think I'm embarrassed. Is a is a perfect segue. So uh, this is um a subject we've been throwing around. We had a listener send us an email. Um, which we've all been reading and kind of processing. Um, I wanted to first read the description of the word motosexual. And the way they found us is we had a podcast we called Motosexual. Motosexual. And, and, and that's because, I mean, look, at we have our up-the-butt bike and our porn pick of the week. You know, we talk about bikes that are beautiful. Sexy. Um, our, we you know, like, sort of oh. make orgasm noise around power tools. Uh. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> 
I, I, where I, we're going. You know, it's not a far stretch, and I, I was pretty proud of this person for emailing us, but he and his email came out to us as being a true motosexual, and in the Urban Dictionary, it's described as an extreme sexual gearhead or motorhead who finds some aspect of internal combustion or vehicles erotic. So... Yeah. Yeah. So I can't. So he he explained to us that he since he was young, since puberty, was found himself turned on by the sound of of bikes or the smell of two stroke, which I can kind of understand. That's kind of like perfume to me, you know. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, there are bikes that you go, oh, I could just love listening to that. I think. I mean, there's obviously. Um, another step you go to be aroused by that because and i'll just say is anybody here a motosexual okay shaking heads no well i do have a lot of quirks that is not one of them and (laughs) and and would anyone come out if they were probably not (laughs) okay yes that that would be james you'd be proud of that i will say i'm a little bit envious I wish. <laughs> yeah, that would be so we get awesome. Fucking weird and all that. Just because your dating get, life is a little the, weird the, right the now. The technical term for this is called paraphilia, and is and it is a, a uh, sexual arisal uh, of inanimate objects. So I thought autophilia yeah. was being turned on by yourself. No, no, paraphilia. I was talking. Per- to oh, yeah. that's the broad term. <laughs> yes, that, yeah, that paraphilia would be. The, yeah, they're objects. So um, we've all been discussing this. Like, what does that mean? Is that weird? I mean, is that perverted? I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. My thought process was, well, you know, I personally am gay. And, you know, 20 years ago, you know, people, and there may still be people today in parts of the country, say, I don't want you near my kid. Wait, like, you're no, gay? I'm not. What? No, I'm not going <laughs> to. Oh. I, I, I don't. You're just really Lucas, good with I got power some news for you. <laughs> I don't molest kids in public. I gotta get out of here, dude. <laughs> in public. Yeah, I don't molest kids in public. Oh, jeez. Um, oh, oh, are you serious? No, no. Um, and so I, uh, most people now are quite aware that <laughs> the gay, not just because you're gay doesn't mean you're going to molest kids. It doesn't work that way. And or that's anybody. just be, becoming informed. But I have to admit, when I first read this, I was like, Ooh, if I knew somebody was like that, I would feel uncomfortable with them around my bike. And I realized (laughs) I was becoming, my instinct was to Mm. be that person who I fought against, you know, when I was young and coming out years ago. And I realized it's just because uh, it it seems deviant because nobody talks about it. Nobody's come, come out. I don't know anyone who I would consider normal or respect who does that. So that was just kind of my instinct. It's kind of the unknown. Um... But that's why we've all been processing it, and I'm not reading his whole email out to everyone, because everyone goes through, I think, the same thing. You kind of giggle, and then you go, this can't be real, and then you kind of go, something's wrong with this person. I don't think so, but I wanted to get other people's opinions and questions, and let's kind of talk this out, because I'm trying to, you know, wrap my head around it, too. So... Um, I have heard of um, autophilias before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not technically right, but it's the, you know, the attraction to automobiles and the rest. There have been some documented cases of it. Um, I will confess this is the first time I've heard of a motorcycle subspeciality. Yeah. Um, I believe but, he said he's also attracted to cars. 
Okay. Uh, just to reiterating to uh, to reiterate is it's also a objectophilia is also the other name for it, mm-hmm. or the sub category of it objectophilia. Yes, yeah, so. inanimate object. Yes. Yeah. So I can relate. Anything? Okay. Mm-hmm. You can relate. I can relate. Oh, do share, brother. I yeah. I mean. I I have an affinity for for Italian bikes. Yeah, I mean your Ducati so, is beautiful. The Ducati, also the MV Agustas. Yeah. I, I've Dad been Augusta. there. Yeah, I've MV. walked up to it. I've flirted with a few of their new models, mm-hmm. and I, hey, I even go, babe. You come right here often. I have to admit, <laughs> I, I even touched her ass. So. <laughs> Um, I can relate. I, I don't think it goes very deep for me, but on a surface plate? level, I can fully understand how someone could be very attracted and um, wanting to explore and experiment. And it might be some different others. And that actually brought up an interesting question that um, that I thought after we have a discussion about it that maybe we could go into in a little while. What part of the bike is the ass? The tail section. Okay. Yeah. You're just projecting well, on that one. I mean, there's no probably. such thing as stupid questions. Well, Only stupid people. <laughs> so go ahead. I, I do want to make a comment that there there is a lot of, of psychology that goes into vehicle design in terms of the aesthetics. Oh, that's because, an interesting point. Because mm-hmm. there, there are certain forms that tend to be pleasing to the human eye or brain, however you want to look at it. And so people do say, hey, that's a sexy bike or... You know, yeah, we that, yeah we we, we, we talk hot, about I that all it, the time. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I can't wait to get on that thing. You know, people talk about vehicles in a sort of a sexual way sometimes. Um, you know, and I think that there is that part of the attraction is 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 that that look. It's the curves, the shape. You know, that in in some ways mimics how you know people look at at other people as attractive. I still think there's yeah. a really fa- like a really well defined line between aesthetics and like you know eroticism you know because i could look at a bike and be like damn that's a sexy bike just because it looks great right but i'm not starting to pitch a tent right (laughs) but that's what i'm saying is that that, yeah pitching a tent for you is something else right it's a different feeling or a different fetish right but this seems to be almost an sort of a a, an extension of that going much further than what most people would would experience yeah for example um the boxster um, I had a hard time convincing my friends that I was convinced that the rear end of the box door when you're behind it is shaped like a woman bending over. Yes. It really is. <laughs> no way. Yeah. No, you look so next at time, the, look, yeah. at, look at the wheel wells, look at the angle of the lights, and look at the placement of the tailpipes. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. If you look at certain... Uh, this is a known thing, too. If you look at certain models of Ducatis from the top down, it's actually kind of shaped after the torso of a woman. Mm-hmm. It's wider in the top, it's skinnier down the middle, and wider down the back. I mean, it, it's Italian. So. Well, I mean, you know, like but, like, this goes to what uh, um, Bagel was saying, that uh, this reminds me of the, the prototypes of the Google self-driving car, how mm. they, they design it to look kind of cute and yep. not like it'll kill you yep. or <laughs> set you on fire the moment yep. you step You'll on it. You know, as an agent it. of Skynet. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, all right. Anyone else weigh in on this? So, Jake, you asked a question earlier. Ask it again. Um, it, it's okay. Well, I kind of have a small branch off. A, have you ever actually had sex with a motorcycle? B, has an ER visit ever resulted from said sex with a motorcycle? I mean, these are define define questions. sex with a motorcycle and yeah. how. <laughs> no, um, well, that's one of the things with the objectophilia. It's not always just sexual. There yeah. is can, there can be romantic and emotional connections as well. So. Yeah, hmm. I, I mean for for me, um, 
I I mean when I when I ride I feel like a very like a strong you know pleasure and a, a lot of satisfaction and in a endorphins way, like, and yeah and it it, yeah. Could, it could almost be described as sexual but it not like my human sexuality doesn't get involved in it like I you know I get off and I feel like very viscerally like oh yeah that was great yeah, yeah. but like there's yeah. n- you have a my, cigarette but like but yeah or have, a, <laughs> have a cigarette and just, that was the uh, best ever had well you know what it is I think I you think know, what it is is like the neurons that trigger pleasure and all that business mm-hmm. when you ride a bike is pro- are probably the same ones that trigger when you're bucking and coming yeah, yeah. but uh, you're in a dopamine di- reaction yeah, exactly you know? so it, like it's it a dopamine hit. yeah do- my, yeah totally my actual like human sexuality that i would have some with like another person yeah doesn't necessarily come on in that in that situation even though the experience may be yeah. as as satisfying or as like exciting as that i think it's just kinetic man like if mm-hmm. you're you are on that throttle you're just feeling that energy transferred from the bike into you and i don't know if that's necessarily sexual for me it's just like fuck yeah dude you feel like you know powerful you feel like a god yeah you feel like you're made you feel like you're like a beam of light dude and you just are transcending the entire universe and like shit can't even get in your way you know and that's what it feels like to me i wish doug were here we're making fart jokes (laughs) jokes all the time here i feel like you know it's not that difficult for that to like spill over into kind of like a sexual relationship but it's, it's definitely not really that common either so well, a couple of points I wanted to raise too um, is that that one in in this particular case, it seems like like this attraction is to the exclusion of being attracted to people, um, and and also it seems like the the attraction it has a lot to do with the the sound and like you're saying the kinetics, the feel of it, um, like certain you know like certain things like the rev of the engine or the exhaust, uh, you know that that it's that that becomes a turn on. Um, not feeling that way myself. I'm not quite sure how to relate to that. Um, but, um, I mean, I, I have to wonder if, if there's, if there's some, you know, this is tied in somehow with, uh, difficulty connecting with people, perhaps? I, I really don't know. So, and I'm well, not like, a psychologist by any Do we means, know if this but. individual, like, has no affinity for other people, is solely sexually attracted to motorcycles, or is this just like a kink? No, it's said in the email that he's never really had any relations with people. Yeah, ever. it sounds like it's an actual philia where it's to the yeah. exclusions. Hmm. So, um, does anyone? I mean, does anyone here? Would you say that this is a, a deviant? Or do, or well, do you think this is? Me, dude, let, let me, do you know how many deviants okay, I know? As, as, as <laughs> I or do you think this is natural and that people who are true motosexuals should feel free to come out? I, f- I feel like as long as you're not hurting other people or this is not hugely affecting your life to where you can't function properly or you're an extreme harm to yourself, fine. So you know? if like, s- if somebody you knew came out as motosexual, it doesn't kind of creep you out? Are you like, no, no, I would not live near my bike. <laughs> well, I think Lucas brings up an interesting point because like you said earlier, how you said you'd be kind of you know iffy around him at first just because you don't know what's going on. You there, know they have a book Well, there would have to, to be really shit. clear-cut lines. You'd have, yeah. to be, they would, you'd have to be clear with them and talk to them about like, okay, well, Lucas, sure. please not get on my yeah. bike but and that's get like off on my bike. But that's like a respect issue in regards yeah. to just yes. things in general. Lucas, like, please don't come are, on my bike. Are you in a relationship with your bike? No. Then why do you care? Because I don't 
don't want someone's nuts on my bike. <laughs> okay, okay, Liz, I think this relates to for the naked ride. You, um, oh have my a, god, no, this relates on bikes. I'm <laughs> yeah. yeah. putting my nuts trails. on Lucas's bike. No, she had a whole thing. She didn't want girls riding naked on her bike because they leave their lady. Two words: snail over. trail. <laughs> Two words: nice. seat pad. Uh, well, I mean, would you really want totally to just stay on your seat? <laughs> just know, a couple years ago, when and when Megan and and Doug were on my bike, and I handed <laughs> Megan a paper towel to put down, the whole group left, and there was a paper towel falling to the ground as they pulled away. I'm like, damn you, Megan! <laughs> oh you yes. don't want to do the naked. I'm ride. just asking for permission. Uh, that's all I want. Yeah. If you're so, going to procreate with my bike, I just want to heads I guess, up. I guess <laughs> I don't want someone depositing their fuel additive in my bike. <laughs> let me, let me just let me just make a point here. Yeah, keep that, it out of the gas tank. It would be completely inappropriate for someone else to ride your bike without asking, yeah. or to sit on or it without, to, or even asking. sit on it. Fucking just jizz all over, man. God damn I, it. So I think I think that that in the same in the same vein is just as, as inappropriate. Now, if someone were to ask, "Hey, I think your bike is really hot. Can I?" Ride it. Um, <laughs> Can I fuck your bike? You know, knowing, I'm, knowing, I'm going to assume okay. that if there was a beautiful lady who walked in this room right now, that all of y'all would not be whipping your stuff out and jerking off onto her because you are. It's in public. Wait, 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 it's not what? I'm just saying. So the object of your desire to walk. If the object of your desire walked in, you wouldn't whip it out and immediately jizz on it. Not in front of the group. What I'm saying is, you are all aware that that's not appropriate. Yeah. I'm going to go under the assumption that just because somebody is metasexual doesn't wait. mean that they're going to be inappropriate in public. Right. I'm believe right. it's going to be a private okay, thing. Okay, so an object of desire, is that like a lifetime of no taxes? Because I totally <laughs> jizz on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> no taxes for the rest of my life? Fuck yeah! I don't think there's anything so, explicitly wrong with being motosexual. It's just like, don't fuck my bike. <laughs> well, it's like any other fetish. If, if you have a thing for leather, you don't go up to somebody in a leather jacket and be like, hey, can I touch your jacket? It's, like, yeah, or, you or know, like start yeah. rubbing your dick on their sleeve. <laughs> it depends well, I mean, if you take respect, uh, yeah. VTA or not. Mutual respect. Yeah. I'm sure most of this happens behind closed garage doors. Yeah, That's fine with me. Just don't fuck my bike. <laughs> and just make sure the exhaust is vented properly. That's all I gotta say. I was gonna ask it's cold. the exhaust pipe, but well, I thought that was too specific. We don't know how that works. That's what should we find out? <laughs> well, let's Lucas, Google it. Simmer down. I think. The, I don't know if we, we don't want to go, go into too much detail. No, but, but let's go back. I, I want to like know. Details. Do does everyone here think though that people should? It should be okay for them to come out. Is this going to be the next wave? And are you okay with it if somebody came out to you? I don't I think, think it's going to come wave. out with people you trust. Okay. Same as with any other sort of coming out. Sure. I'm I don't completely think this is going to be widespread accepted very quickly. Though. Yeah, I, I yeah. think statistically it's not going to become a next wave. Yeah. Mostly yeah. because there isn't high enough numbers. It'll be a cool uh, we HBO are, episode. Sorry. Yeah, we are seeing yeah. a lot of um, alternative lifestyles and alternative sexualities coming out a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. For example, totally. um, we now have pansexual instead of just bi. That's another yeah. one that's coming out. Polly um, is finally getting a little bit of acceptance on the, on the coast. Yeah. I think what Adrian's mm. talking about is that like we'll see a difference between like tolerance and acceptance at some point. It might be tolerated now, but it's definitely not going to be accepted. You know. Well, I think if I, I think with like with everything in the in the precedent that when they do when people do come out, we can get a little more understanding of how it works. Yeah. It won't seem so devious. That's why people who hide these things it seems devious because people don't understand but you yeah. have to come out 
for people to understand. So I just want to say for the anonymous person who sent in the email, um, thank you for sharing. Um, uh, you know, that, that I'm not going to say it took a lot of balls. That took a lot of <laughs> gumption. Intestinal fortitude. <laughs> yeah. To come out to us. And I think I, I, I'm, I'm proud that you felt safe doing so because we are the misfits. And there's a reason we're the misfits. Uh, I'm Asian. That's that's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you fit right in. So uh, that kind of makes you I'm a ginger. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you, you just have did, no soul. Who didn't know, I did respond to him saying, yeah. I can understand we're the misfits for a reason, you know, we're gay, bi, trans, douchebags, Asian, we got them all. <laughs> Gingers, we got them all. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I am what I am going to say is I don't think I want to hear from everyone else who wants to come out to me. <laughs> I mean, were your boundaries pushed a little bit, Liza? Just send pictures. Oh, no. What? You don't want to receive pictures of sexy bikes in the mail? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we might appreciate if maybe the guy who emailed us previously could maybe send us his viewpoints on limit, like how he would explain to other people what it's like to be motosexual and how he would, you know, advertise it for other people who are motosexual in a way that he thinks the public would accept. Um, I think he's the one who created the term in the Urban Dictionary. Oh. Yeah. So how long uh, has this guy been a motosexual? Because that's kind of been a while. It sounds like a while. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So thank you for sending that in. I guess if somebody is motosexual and they want to just say me too, that's all. Yeah. I'm just curious to know if there are, are people out there. I'm afraid of people telling me too much information. <laughs> <laughs> I might get uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but that's I your own really process cool. you have to work through. I am. I, that's why I'm being honest. Check I, your privilege, I, Liza. I, oh, oh, shut <laughs> up. Quiet. I was kind of shocked at my own instinctual reaction based upon who I am. So it's like, that's why I kind of wanted to discuss it and process it. And um, yeah, I'll just say it again. I wish I was. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Maybe, maybe. You, could, you could get Mixing's it a lot easier. you wanted. You know, it's but, not bad. But Liza, maybe you just haven't re- met the right bike yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like how she hasn't met the right man either. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, where are you? <laughs> Is that what it would take? No, no. I, uh, no. I just sure? like to look at them just like I like to look at pretty bikes. I think that's where the line is drawn. <laughs> so I think we're ready to wrap it up. Craig, can you tell people how to reach us? You can reach us at the Recycle Garage, MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com, Facebook.com slash Recycle Santa Cruz, and the Recycle Motorcycle Garage at gmail.com. Send us any information, what you think would be an interesting podcast, and remember, buy our swag. What about our voicemail? We have a voicemail now. Order we have voicemail? Yeah. When yeah. do we have voicemail? Order us we do. Oh, I, I don't have it in front of me. I believe you can call us at 831-291-5112. So the end of our other podcast, too, so you can check that. Yeah. <laughs> 831-291-5112, and you can leave a yes. voicemail for us, and... Um, We'd love to hear from you, and it can be something that's private just for us, or it's something we may just play. Yeah. Bigley, you had something to I was share? just going to confirm it. The number is 831-291-5112. Thank you. 291-5112. Order pizza. 
<laughs> you totally or hate Chinese me every time food. I say or it. Thai food. I'm going to keep saying it too. I hate you, and I called or and donuts. ordered pizza and showed you the voicemail, and you were so fucking excited. I was so excited. <laughs> this is the, my revenge. Because I thought I that just, you uh, would have gotten it out of your system. That was the best nope. thing ever. All right. So thank you again, everyone, for listening. Uh, don't forget, if you can, uh, go to iTunes and rate us. It really helps give us the feedback. And the publicity we rightly deserve. <laughs> wow Tableless motherfucker Thank you <laughs> So wrapping up This is Liza Adrian Craig Zach Bagel Jake James I am still Zach <laughs> Right I think we know who that was <laughs> And we are out Out